0: Welcome to the dallas Space Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Lauder. Innovation comes in so many forms, in so many different ways. We believe this entire Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is covered with people innovating. We designed this podcast to highlight the innovative things those business leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, problem solvers, the real innovators are doing day in, day out. As always, this show is brought to you by my company, LouderCo. We find companies' profits through artificial intelligence and better operations, like when we helped a massive Fortune 500 company build out their AI strategy to create breakthrough new food and beverage categories, or when we redesigned the operations of a $100 million services company to add $10 million in net profit to their bottom line. To learn more about us, head to our website, louderco.com. Be sure to download free guides and presentations like our intro to artificial intelligence presentation, or see if your company is even ready for AI through our AI readiness assessment tool. We're about to get the show started. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot to us if you subscribed and left us a review. And now enjoy our guests and enjoy the show. Welcome to the dallas Space Innovator Show presented by Louder Co. I'm Andrew Louder. So thankful to have our special guest today on our show, Chris McKee. He's managing partner over at Venturity Financial Partners. Venturity is an outsource accounting firm based in Dallas, Texas. They have well over 100 clients primarily here in the DFW area, but also throughout major markets around the country. They're also a big follower of the great game of business, which uses open book management techniques, which I find absolutely fascinating, and I hope we we dig into that. Welcome, Chris.
1: Hey, thanks, Andrew, for having me. I appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for making the time. I know we're going through a lot right now with this COVID crisis, so for somebody like yourself to make the time to be on our show, we're so thankful for that.
1: Yeah, happy to do it.
0: So, Chris, we generally start the show off by asking our guests to talk about themselves. So, if you could give me just a good one to two minute bio, um, give ourselves an overview, and we'll jump right into things here.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, uh, my background is obviously in accounting. So, I graduated from Ole Miss back in '89, and uh, came here to after kind of growing up in Memphis. I, I went to Ole Miss and. Then uh, I took a job here in Dallas after graduating from Ole Miss and went to work in public accounting. I spent some time in public accounting and then spent some time working for various companies within their accounting departments and sort of realized that I really like kind of working uh, within accounting departments and running accounting teams to kind of prepare financial information for companies. I really felt like that really is a way that, that, that you can have an impact as an accounting person. So um, the last company I was with in the late 90s didn't get their next round of funding. So I was out on my own for a while, working with companies kind of cleaning up their cleaning up their books and and helping them out with their accounting. And real I had more and more clients kind of asking me to kind of maintain their accounting. So um, that's when I kind of transitioned into the world of outsourced accounting, hired a few folks, got a few more clients and kind of took it from there. So that was in 2001. So it's been almost 20 years since Venturity's founding and we're up to about i guess almost 50 folks here in our dallas office and we also have a team of 20 over in india through a partner firm that we work with so we've got 70 folks handling the accounting for a little over 100 uh, clients uh and uh you know i've got uh married been married for a little over 25 years and have three kids 22 14 and 10 and they are all at home right now. And yeah. uh, so it's a, it could be why you're in your office, right? That's now. <laughs> why I'm in the office today. <laughs> it's a good, a good quiet place to have a, uh, to do to do a podcast. So, um, but it's, so it's been fun. So, so that's a little background on me too.
0: No, that's great. Thank you for that rundown. So I was amazed, I, I was digging up some, I was doing some research on Venturity. Your glass door rating is phenomenal. Me 4.9 on the reviews, 99% CEO approval rating. We've got to hunt down what that 1% is all about. That's, <laughs> <there>. but, <laughs> that's a you
1: good know,
0: point. <laughs> I mean, what's going on there? Let's, I, I got know.
1: one detractor out there, I guess. I, I know, know what's
0: going on. But well, <laughs> yeah, first off, uh, congratulations uh, on that.
1: Yeah, and,
0: thank
1: uh, you. And second, how would you attribute to this? It's so great. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm really lucky. We've got a really good team, uh, here and a really good group of folks. Um, you know, I try and really, uh, let the team really run the show as much as possible and give people kind of stay out of their way. And I'm really here to enable them to be successful and help our clients be successful. Um, I never really kind of got into this for, uh, Know, my own purposes I just thought it would be a, a, a cool way to do accounting and I just feel lucky to continue to kind of be the CEO and, and I, I come in every day really with the attitude of I need to do the things to earn the right to stay as the CEO and and so I, I hope that 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 some it's of that is good. where is where that comes from I do think the open book management piece that we could talk about in a little while helps as well um, you know, B. It helps with transparency and openness, um, and uh, you know. Also, we just really try and have as much as possible a, a people-first attitude with our team, in terms of putting them first, uh, help giving them the tools they need to be successful, really uh, working to grow, working to grow them and grow them through their career, um, and have open conversations about that. Um, and if, if we can help them you know, enable their success they're going to do a great job for our clients and, and make our clients successful and we'll have a successful relationship with our clients. So I, I'm just I, I'm lucky to kind of have the team that I have uh, and, and I'm fortunate that they that they feel the way they do. So now you're right. It's, it's yep. we, we uh, um, you know, we encourage them to um, give their feedback, positive or negative, both through Uh, Glassdoor and through uh, a system we use internally called Office Vibe um, that sends out little weekly surveys. And so um, I just, I think we do try and encourage feedback and transparency. And I think that really helps with their attitude and engagement with with what we're doing here. So.
0: Absolutely. So no, you and I met through a friend of mine, Abby Fuqua, who is uh, an employee of Venturity and just such a phenomenal connector, networker, salesperson. I think I think uh, you've you've got the secret weapon there and Abby perhaps. <laughs> but uh, you, know, as, you know, she f- got me familiarized with Venturity. Even I had told her I had just finished reading Great Game of Business and she's like, "Well, shoot, like Venturity follows Great Game of Business. You should come sit through one of the the checkpoint meetings or the weekly uh, what what do you guys call those?
1: Weekly huddles. So weekly
0: huddles. That's right. And so I saw firsthand. I was blown away by the culture and the approach that you guys take there. But uh, tell us more just about you know the services Venturity offers, and and then let's dig into more around you know how great game of business plays into everything.
1: Yeah, I think that sounds good. So the role that we play. Uh, so accounting is most accountants are either kind of doing um, auditing work or tax work or internal accounting work. And so we sort of fall into that financial accounting uh, side. And I guess our business is a little bit unusual because most firms that do accounting are focused on auditor tax. Um, But what we do is we really become the accounting department for our clients. So we primarily work with businesses under $20 in revenue that might have Oh, you know, a half a person to maybe two people in uh, doing the accounting every day. And um, that tends to be when you've got a one person accounting department, it tends to be a bit of a revolving door when there's not a lot of opportunity for that person to really move up in the organization. And so uh, it's just hard for smaller businesses to attract and retain good accounting staff. So we represent an alternative to that. Um, They can outsource that function to us. So we do everything that an internal accounting person would do. We pay the bills, bill the customers, apply cash payments, but, and we bring it all together in, in month-end financials as well, so we maintain all of the accounting records. So we're, we really do become the accounting department for our clients. And by working with smaller businesses, it's great because we actually, each of our clients has a, has a full team of accountants, not just one person, and they get just enough of each of those people's time to really have a great accounting department. So they have a controller, assistant controller, staff accountant. And it's just great because we can really bring a higher level of sophistication to um, a business's uh, financial records and we can help them understand their business through their financials. Because the accounting is never going to be the most important thing going on at their company. But if we can give them really good financial information, it's going to help them make better business decisions. And, you know, if you're an eight, $10 million company, there's a lot going on there. And understanding your financials is super important uh, in terms of knowing where you've been, where you're going, and being able to run the business effectively. So that's where we can really have an impact as accountants, almost more so than you can in any other accounting context that I've been involved in. If you're working at a big company, you don't get, you're just a cog in the machine. And, and, you know, working with smaller businesses and really providing this level of sophistication, Mm Uh, it really does help uh, help them run their business more effectively. And we we, we help them be more successful. And I, I've seen them take what we do and, and make good decisions based on it. And that's where, where our folks really get jazzed and can have an impact. So.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, the way I, I've been describing, it, you can t- tell me if I'm off here, but it's basically you, you engage with Venturity and you have an instant accounting department.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we step in and we uh, very quickly get up to speed and just we've got a, 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 a very measured implementation process that we put everyone through and but it ramps up very quickly and we, we can step in and just take over and yeah and then you've hired your last accountant at that point you never wow. have to worry about. Walking in Monday morning, and the bookkeepers quit, and you've got to figure out how to get payroll out the door. You know, so right, um, uh, it's just yeah, it's, that, that decision is just sort of made for you after that. So it's good, yeah. I
0: bet CEOs love working with you guys. <laughs> Always having the into, yeah into the the financials, especially right now with everything going on the COVID crisis, all that. Um, what what are you seeing right now in terms of what CEOs are needing? um to get through this right now
1: yeah i I think it's been interesting because our clients have been affected in different ways um we have i I would i would have well what's i'll tell you what's happening and then what i would have expected we have a group of clients that are just um closed and may be permanently out of business we're not sure Mm -hmm. yet um and those are obviously uh clients in the hospitality industry anyone tangentially related to the sports industry. And so those those clients have have laid off all of their staff and are just on pause in their business. Um, And they're not sure exactly whether they're coming back or not. The majority of the rest of our clients have not been significantly impacted, uh, which really kind of surprises me. And I'll be interested to see what happens in the long term with so many people out of work and demand suppressed in the economy you would think right, it would eventually right. affect every company, um, but right now most of our clients are holding. The majority of our clients are holding their own. So, um, so what they, the ones that have have pushed pause, um, you know, we've helped them with kind of how to manage their costs during this time, um, mm-hmm. and then the ones that are still in business, we're just we're uh, we're sharing information with them weekly that we're finding. Uh, kind of rather than trying to create a lot of content on our own, we're curating sort of the best of the Internet list on any topics sorry, sorry. to not just um, COVID uh, financial help, but also just how to manage through crisis situations, how to communicate to your team members. Uh, the, the new uh, Family First uh, uh, Coronavirus Act that came out. Uh, mm-hmm. We're trying to educate them not just on how to how to um, how to communicate that to their team. But there's also some compliance things behind the scenes that they've got to do. Like that was a big topic in our in our leadership meeting this morning was communicating with our clients to make sure they're communicating with their payroll processors to track covid related leave and all of that kind of thing. So I think that's really for, for the clients that are that haven't been significantly impacted from a revenue standpoint there there's a lot of uh, new uh, government regulations that are coming out um, that are certainly intended to help um, individuals and businesses we're trying to help them surf through all of that and and give them access to information that will help them uh, with that and help them kind of digest all of that and and right. um, we're getting on the phone with them and saying okay you know here's we're, we're going to send you all the details but sort of here's really what it means and I think that's where we're Kind of helping add value in this just in this first few weeks but I, I mean i'll tell you the first two weeks we didn't know exactly where we were going to plug in uh the last right, two right. weeks we've been able to kind of distill it down to okay here's how we can help and and i think a lot of companies are going through that too so
0: right i bet right now your services are quite invaluable to those clients of yours i mean everything's so dynamic They're changing all the time you need to know how to react what, what approach or how, how have you kind of talked through, you mentioned the Family First Act, you know, the PPP, this Paycheck Protection Program came out as a follow-up to that one. Um, what what have you helped your clients with in terms of how to approach that? Because I know it sounds like a lot of your clients would, would fall within the scope of that PPP.
1: Yeah, Andrew, you're exactly right. Most of our clients are um, eligible for PPP and um, not as many are impacted by the Family First Act because a lot of them Mm -hmm. are under 50, but a lot of them are trying to comply anyway because um, a lot of our clients want to kind of do the right thing for their team members who maybe are impacted by the virus or are impacted by the childcare. Um, issues that have right. come up by schools closing and and uh, daycares closing. So, um, so I'll tell you what. Really, the even though the Family First Act came out first, the thing that that impacted more our, our clients was the PPP Act uh, or the, the 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 Cares Act that had the the Paycheck Protection right. Program loans in it. And um, uh, all of our business owners were uh, were on that very quickly, and um, we were. We were as well in terms of trying to understand it uh, so that we could figure out how to help them minute. And that that first week after it came out, it was changing almost daily. And um, they were very eager to and there were a lot of rumors as well. Um, so it came out on a Friday and you really couldn't apply till the next Friday. But they were hearing rumors that certain banks were taking applications and so on. So we we set a lot, set aside a lot of our stuff, especially this, those of us at the at the management team level of maturity we set aside a lot of what we were doing and just trying to digest what was happening and then we got back to our clients through our through our accounting teams with with some guidance and we uh, so we did spend most of last week and this week really helping them prepare their applications and get their applications in Um, and uh, a lot of our clients are taking advantage of that. Uh, and I believe some of those loans uh, I've heard are starting to be funded. So hopefully some of that will come through. And uh, and I think we're just trying to be a resource as much as possible. Because we're the accounting department, the information that's requested by the, the Small Business Administration for these loans, it is a lot of accounting information, particularly payroll information. And so right. uh, we understand that stuff really well. And so we can help them put in a good application Help them stay in compliance so that they're eligible for the for the forgiveness piece. And that's 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 what where we've tried to sort of humbly insert ourselves into the process. So.
0: That's great. You know, I, I've been shocked throughout this whole process. I, the sheer volume of the the PPP, the number. I mean, the from a dollar standpoint, bank stamp bank uh, number of banks involved in this standpoint, even number of businesses impacted it blows my mind. So I'll, I'll kind of uh, be a little transparent here. I bank with Wells Fargo and uh, perhaps you know um, that they really hadn't even opened up their application process until a couple of days ago. Um, and so there's a part of me that has this fear of missing out. But then also I think, man, this is, it's a miracle how quickly this is occurring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just the, because of how big this is, the fact that loans are being funded already is just it's it's incredible to me. I understand the process that it may take. I understand the technology implications. So the sheer fact that we're at this point so quickly, um, I think, is is pretty outstanding.
1: Yeah, I do, too. And I don't think that, um, you know, what I what I have found is there's sort of a bifurcation of. Uh, loan processing. The smaller local banks are, are, uh, they're working primarily with their current clients first. And they started really uh, last Friday and a lot of them worked all weekend and had been working, putting in 12 and 14 hour days to get these loans processed. But their process is very manual uh, that they're going through. And so Mm -hmm. um, they, they've been doing that uh, because that's just the only way that they can really do it the big banks have all taken a, a different approach which is the need to really process this information electronically because they just have so many customers they can't really manage it on a one-to-one basis as the way some of these smaller banks can and so they've had to put their their um, uh, electronic process in place through their website um, and so bank of america i think had theirs started on had theirs up on monday but they really didn't start taking a lot of documents until until later in the week Wells Fargo is one that's well known to be lagging Comerica as well but I think you know what I've told people is look the money is um, they have allocated a certain amount of money but I can't imagine a situation where at the end of this week the the SBA says well all that money is out is gone and um, it only went to all of the small bank customers and you uh big bank bank of america and wells fargo your customers are just out of luck because you didn't get your your website up in time so right. I, I, there will either be more money allocated um or some other accommodation will be made i, I can't imagine that that customers of large banks will be left out in, in the cold so
0: mm-hmm. i think
1: i think everyone's going to get taken care of that, that's it. that's yep. personal opinion but but i right I, I think i think that i think we'll see that bear out
0: right so i'll share with you um the, some of the things I've heard from CEOs regarding this PPP is related to things like well, okay, the, the loan is, is forgiven entirely if I use it for payroll and the other and utility and um, other costs associated with things. But there, there may, a lot of their questions uh, from an accounting standpoint is how do I track that? How do I keep track of what dollars are actually going toward? Or came from you know, this the loan versus how it goes out. I think from an accounting standpoint, is that a lot of just um, uh, you know, creating new journal entries? Is that um, allocating it a bit differently? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I, I don't think so. I think it's I think it's just a matter of tracking the money that's spent. It, it is eight weeks from the day that you receive the funds, and so um, I think I, I think it's just a matter of anything that you spend on payroll and benefits and, um, certain other expenses during mm-hmm. the eight weeks, starting at that point, um, will be, uh, will qualify. And so you just got okay. to kind of accumulate that information and as, okay. and whatever amount that you spend of that loan on those, on those particular things will qualify for forgiveness. Um, you know, there's some um, uncertainty in my mind. Um, something I just thought about last night, um, as I was driving home, whether this is an accrual or a cash basis. And and I know uh. that starts to get a little bit accounting geeky. But um, I'm gonna, I've got payroll kind of coming up over. Uh, you know, if if, if we were going to do it as a company, you know I have payrolls that go through. Um, but then I've also got uh, payments that I make for benefits, and it, I. I, I might make two, I might pay two months of benefits during that period of time. But depending on how the weeks fall, I might make three months of payments, um, depending on how the how, when I actually cut the checks. And mm-hmm. is it based on the checks I actually cut during that eight weeks? And then do I, you know, am I going to, what if I cut checks for five months worth of benefits? Does that qualify? So I think yeah. those, I think those will th- those are things that they probably haven't even thought about yet. But, but I don't think there's any special processes that companies need to put in place. I think it's just a matter of having a, their accounting folks really track it accurately in compliance with the, with, the, uh, with the terms of the, of the act. So,
0: yeah. Got it. And earlier we were talking about the great game of business. Um, tell us more about it. How are you guys using it? How has it been impacting you guys through all this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Now I love talking about the great game of business. Um, so the great game of business in a nutshell, as you said earlier, is a form of open book management and it's based on a book called the great game of business. And it was developed by um, uh, the management team of, of a company called Springfield Remanufacturing Company. Uh, their company was basically bankrupt in the early 80s. And they didn't know how to get out of it. And so the only way they, the only choice they felt they had was to open the books to the employees and just tell them exactly what was going on and um, ask for their help in figuring their, figuring out how to get out of it. And sure enough, employees started stepping up and saying things like, well, you know, we're wasting a lot of money on this over here. If we didn't do this, or I could do less of this and it would probably save us some money. Or maybe if we did this, And um, it it literally over the course of a couple of years, just turned the company around and they went from the brink of bankruptcy to having money in the bank. And then it's just really grown immensely from there. And so they've taken this methodology that they developed of open book management over, over the last 30 plus years and um, and really rolled it out to other companies. First, they wrote uh, uh, the, the CEO Jack Stack wrote this book. And then it's really become something that's that's made its way across the country to a lot of companies. And I discovered it probably about eight years ago and we didn't implement it until about three years ago. And so uh, you might ask, Chris, why didn't you implement it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because because for most CEOs, opening the books is a scary proposition.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah,
1: you feel like uh, people are going to Uh, think that you are or see how much money you're making and they're going to they're going to demand their share of it. Um, But, you know, and they're going to once they find out how much money you're making, they're all going to quit. But, you know, what what you find out is that whatever amount of money you're making, they think that you're actually making four or five times what you're making. And oftentimes when you open the book, they're surprised at how little is left at the end of the day and um, they get really motivated to really help uh, improve that. And, and so, in, so final point, there's a bonus that, uh, that it's, stru- it's structured in a way that you have open book management, you have huddles once a week where you project the PL, and um, and the team picks a critical number and they get bonused for everything over that. So in our case, our critical number is gross margin because that's what our team has the most control over. And we have a certain gross margin threshold in every dollar after that threshold is split 50, 50, 50 cents of it goes into the bonus pool and 50 cents stays in the company to be reinvested. So, um, we've been, again, we've been playing for almost three years now and our gross margin has improved by, well, the first year it improved by seven points and it's improved another two or three points over the last couple of years. And, uh, so you can just imagine what that means for, uh, significant profitability. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's taken our company from marginally uh, viable to a very healthy company. And so um, and it's just allowed us to do You know, having having a good profit allows you to do do a lot more in terms of investing in the growth of the company and the people in the company and training. There's just so much more that you can do with it. So mm-hmm. so it's been it's been really cool. The game is actually run by this. I was going to get around to kind of how it's affecting us or how it's helping us through this this particular yeah. situation, because, you know, this this is the first time we've sort of entered into what could be an economic downturn. What has every signs of being an economic downturn mm-hmm. for us since we since we implemented the game and uh, the the games actually run by the team. They they really. Um, the the way that we play the game and our scoreboard, the team really came up with, and they decided that the critical number was gross margin. And then we partnered with them to kind of come up how the bonus pool is structured. But then they're actually, everyone owns a line item on the P&L, okay? Everything from revenue on this particular team to office supplies, to employee meals. And when we get together for our huddle on Friday, everyone calls out their number and we build the P&L every week. And it's not the P&L looking back, it's the P&L looking forward. So the first week of April, last week, the first Friday of April, we built the P&L for April. And we knew going into April that we were going to be down um, about 10% in revenue over where we were in March because of our, client, our clients right. who had shut down and who were really struggling. But we also knew that we were still going to be profitable as a company and we were going to be really close to our gross margin target. And if we so if people found more opportunities, more, um, more uh, project revenue, uh, more accounting opportunities, and we we're able to grow revenue just a little bit, we get back into bonus territory. And and sure enough, we had our huddle this morning and we are within sort of a rounding error of being in bonus <laughs> territory. But I think that's the key is by looking forward um, in a transparent way, everyone walks away from that huddle and saying, OK, what can I do to get us into bonus territory? and it's it's not about looking back and trying to figure out what happened it's about looking forward and trying to change that future and change that outcome and so that's how we've really been utilizing it in fact we were already talking about april back in march because we knew we were going to be down and we knew before we even got into april about how much we were going to be down because we got together and we we put our heads together and we said okay let's start tracking who's going away who's reducing their fees who's doing this And we knew the exact number that we were going to be down for the month of April. So that allowed us, we fortunately are not at this point having to take any action with team members in terms of decreasing salaries or laying anyone off at this point. Um, So we're knock on wood, very fortunate. And, and if this, if, if this is the bottom and we can build from here, then we're going to be okay. But everyone doesn't have to be afraid because they can see the numbers and we're actually going to have a pretty good month in April where mm-hmm. in the absence of that transparency everyone might be panicked that I was about to lay off a ton of people, you know, so. Oh, absolutely. So that's really where it's, I think the great game of business is awesome in terms of when you're, when you're growing as a company and it helps drive growth, but there's no time better to be open book management, believe it or not than a time like this, because as bad,
0: great as, point.
1: Yeah, as bad as it might be, I guarantee your team members think it's 10 times worse because they're hearing stories from everybody else about getting laid off and things like that. So no matter and you know, when 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 the times are good, no matter how good it is, they think it's a lot better. And when the times are bad, no matter how bad they are, um, they think it's a lot worse. So the transparency just um, even though sometimes the news isn't great, at least they know what it is. And it's better for them to know. And it's better for all of us to know than to just sort of be in the dark and hope that kind of makes sense. Oh, yeah,
0: that's a great point. Um, The other thing, too, when I sat through your huddle, I was amazed at the at the collaboration, at the input. You know, everybody involved and everybody in the company is involved in problem solving. Right. How do we focus on picking up this number? How do we what do we need to do? And you had ideas flowing from everybody you know it wasn't just a lot of companies i go into very top down yeah right? this was i wouldn't even say bottom up I, i'd say it's 360. Right? <laughs> that's uh, a good
1: way i putting it i've never thought of it that way but that that is kind of what it feels like and and that, i will tell you that's not just because we're we're awesome uh, i mean we are but yeah. it's not just because we're awesome. yeah but it's because um uh it's because of the structure of the great game of business when I talk about everyone owning a line item, um, they have to know what's in that number, and they have to project the budget for the month. And if it's significantly different, they have to project what, what, we, what where they think it's going to come out. If it's significantly different from last month or from the budget, they have to tell what's called the story behind the number. So, um, if if um, uh, uh, if computer expenses were supposed to be twelve thousand, they're going to be fourteen thousand. You don't just say it's 14,000. You say it's gonna be 14,000 because we have this project going on to upgrade the server and we think mm-hmm. that's about what it's going to cost. Great, so so they have demonstrated that, they, that they've they had to go through the trouble of finding all that out. And so now they understand the number, but now everybody in the company understands the number. And then sometimes you'll get conversations like, well, do we really need to spend that now? And why do we, and, and that's great. And, and sometimes the answer is definitely yes, and that helps build that that understanding even more so that's just what's I mean yeah I agree with you I'm I'm blown away sometimes by and quite often by our huddles and what people come up with it's 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 really neat yeah 360 is a great way of putting it because everybody can sort of jump in and with their with their thoughts and questions and it's it's that story behind the number which is very specific to the great game of business um, bringing bringing the story behind the number and holding people accountable to doing that, and everyone holds each other accountable, um, is uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll go somebody will call out a number and there'll be a variance and they'll go on to the next number and someone will say whoa 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 wait a minute why is that up by, and mm-hmm. and uh, because they feel like they they, they want to know and so that's the real power for the great game is the education piece of it, yeah it's made us more profitable. But the the level of knowledge sharing and the level of education that it's that it's um, instilled within our organization um, has just made everyone a better business person and and made them better for their clients because of that.
0: Absolutely. And of those of your clients, have you turned a lot of them around or turned them into the great game of business?
1: you know i would say that's probably the area that is uh we're lagging the most in. i think we really thought Mm -hmm. once we implemented it and started talking to our clients about it that we would get a lot more traction with it we have had two or three but um it's just not something that we've had a lot that have come to our huddle in the same way that you did and we welcome anyone to our huddle anytime that's one of the funny things about once you kind of go open book, you start to really lower your those walls sort of come down. To, I don't care if you see our financials. I want to show you this. This is really cool. I want you to see this. And uh, I, I never would have thought I would I would have been that way five or eight years ago. And I think most business people are still that way. But we we have uh, clients come in for our huddles. I'm not I'm not bashful to. Let them know that we're making money. Right. I, mean, I, I think they would hope that we're making money so that we can keep doing their accounting, and we really do encourage them to to uh, to seriously think about it. And we've had a couple that have done it, but I I would say that long term um, we really want to become more uh, a better evangelist for the game. I think um, I think we're doing our clients a, a, a disservice by not pushing that a little bit more. And, and sometimes it's hard. We're, we are just, we are the accounting department. We're not part of management. Um, But I think as we expand our services into more CFO services and that kind of thing, we're going to have the opportunity to do some of that too. So,
0: Very cool. Very cool. So Chris, how about we move into then our lightning round of questions?
1: Okay. (laughs) All
0: right. So these are typically just, uh, some of these are quicker answers. Some we'll dig into a bit deeper, but uh, here we go. All right. What do you wish you had known when you started your career? If you could go back and tell your younger self something, what would that be?
1: Boy, that's an interesting question. Um, I wish I had had the patience earlier in my career that I've learned now. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I really felt like I had to um, move quickly up through the ranks, or I was a failure, and, and you know, oh, yeah. and um, I just I wish I had um, I wish I had 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 the patience um, then that I've that I've learned over the years. And, and my career's taken a lot of interesting twists and turns that um, uh, that that I, that I, that I took in order to accomplish certain things. But they ended up being—they uh, ended up not always working out the way they planned. But I learned a lot from all of them, and uh, it's all sort of gone into sort of who I am today. So I think—I think that would be the—the the, the main thing. I mean, I was always going to work hard, but—but but it was—it yeah. was just having having patience and just you know being a little bit calm about it, and and just you know being open to new experiences and and not being so driving as I was early in my career. So
0: do you think that came from learning a lot uh, as you went did it come from just age and experience did something just happen that caused you to to be more patient
1: um you know i had a career misstep along the way and i thought it was just devastating and then i found out that it wasn't and you know we had a couple of times i almost drove maturity into a ditch off a cliff over the years and uh because of decisions i made but pulled it out and um mm. so you know i uh, i think that i think it's really the mistakes that i've made over the years and realizing that they weren't fatal and in fact i probably learned as much from those mistakes as i did from anything else oh, that geez, I did. Yeah. and i think i think those are the things that really taught me that 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 patience like it's going to be okay you don't have to be perfect that's everything. great yeah so
0: yeah, that's that's great advice there. Who or what has influenced you the most?
1: Um, uh, in what sense? Uh, personally, business wise or
0: uh, how about business wise?
1: Gosh, business wise, my grandfather uh, and probably yeah. personally as well. Um, so he was the only other business owner in the family. The only other entrepreneur, if you will, mm-hmm. ran a lumber company in Memphis. And he and I. Um, uh, where I where I grew up in Memphis, and he was about my age that I am now. When he started taking me fishing, I was about eight at the time, and we fished together um, oh probably a half dozen times a, a year um, from when I was eight until really um, when I moved here to Dallas. And um, through all of that, we would have you know most of it was you know just fishing, and mm-hmm. um, and and just talking about life and stuff like that. But a lot of times he would st- share stories with me about business. And I used to go to the lumber yard too, um, before we would go fishing, I'd come hang out there for a little while before we'd head up to go fishing. And I learned, I learned so much from just listening to some of the stories he would tell. And we'd be the, we went, we, we fish at a fishing camp and he would be talking to his friends about some of the things that he was experiencing in his business. And, um, I learned a lot of kind of our people first approach, Mm -hmm. That maturity that we use from my grandfather, Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a large business, but he had a really dedicated group of team members, employees that we'd been with him a long time, and he really tried his best to take care of them. And some of the things that he did worked, and some of them didn't work. And I got to hear about all those things. But what I heard underneath all of that was a certain compassion that he had. So, um, so Mm -hmm. I learned from a lot of the. I, I learned the most from that compassion. And then I got to see a lot, hear about, a lot about his successes and, and a lot about his mistakes. And I, I, I swore that I would never own my own business after hearing all of that. And so um, it was, uh, yeah. interestingly enough, and and then here I am, uh, however many years later, now I'm his age and I, I've owned my own business for 20 years. But I would say he was one of the, uh, just easily one of the biggest influences. And I have countless stories about uh you know, when he fired Anheuser-Busch as a client, it was his largest client. And, uh, wow. uh, you know, that 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 took a lot of courage, but he walked me through it. And I said, I completely get it. And I found the oh, <laughs> yeah. lesson away. And, and I had to fire my largest client when we were a very young uh, company for the same reason. So, yeah, my grandfather was uh, just a huge influence on me in that way.
0: That's very cool. What a great story. Thanks. Are you learning anything right now? Is there anything in particular you might be learning about?
1: Yeah, well, you know, one of our values uh, is company values is lifelong learning, and it's the one that I pushed hard to make sure was part of our values because um, we're on a technical field. Um, so at a very basic level, it's continually evolving. So we need to engage in lifelong learning. Uh, but for me personally, um, uh, you know, we're in the I, I am always trying to challenge myself to. Um, uh, continue to stay out ahead of my team because as we've implemented the great the great game of business they're getting better and better at running the business and so I, that whole idea of continuing to earn the right to be their leader um, so i'm trying to educate myself to what's over the horizon potentially for us and um and then i'm, I'm just i'm working a lot on um on self-management um, and that's really been my journey the last five years going from being a bit of a command and control um, leader to being a collaborative leader and you know um i I learned a lot from a guy named ari weinswag for zingerman's deli he wrote a whole book on managing ourselves and Mm -hmm. it's really kind of changed my approach to um, uh to how i how i conduct myself and how i'm present at work and it's just made all the difference in the world so that's that's a that's really for me a lifetime journey that i that i continue to look for ways in which i can be present in a way that enables people to be successful here and, 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 um, that creates a, a collaborative environment where, where that's yeah. where, where people enjoy coming into work. So, so that's what I, that's really what, where I'm spending my spending my that's time. Cool. Yeah.
0: Self-management is that I would jump to, well that, that kind of sounds like self-discipline in a way, is it a different approach?
1: Oh, gosh, it's a whole it's a whole host of things, but it's, yeah. it's a lot about it's a about how you're present, B, about how you react.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so this is probably at least my third kind of downturn since we started Venturity. And mm-hmm. I really handled things a lot differently than I previously had. I, in the past, I would have drawn into myself and been very um, uh, closed and, and, and grumpy about things <laughs> but, right. as you can imagine you would be. I mean, it's yeah. scary. It's a scary right. thing when we have a downturn. But um, I think um, that that idea of um, of really managing yourself differently and understanding that that may be what you want to do, but that's not how you're going to best help your company move forward. I did have a week where I did that with this crisis. <laughs> of I, I pulled myself out of it a little bit. So there's, there's, a, you're, it's about managing your energy as well because how mm, yeah. the energy that you bring is, um, is, is hopefully going to add to the, to the romantic. And I will tell you, as the CEO, whatever you're feeling gets magnified five times over. Um, so if you're having an off day, everybody in the office knows it. And by the end of the day, it sounds a lot worse than the day that you're actually having. So, wow. and, and the converse is true. I mean, I, I um, you hear stories about people being afraid of their boss or whatever. Oh, he's having a bad day. Stay away from him kind of thing. Um, yeah. It's true. I mean, people, people read your body language and they read and they read often things, often read things into it. So energy management is sort of super important.
0: That's uh, huge,
1: yeah. People really do pick up on your tone and then they, they, they're going to feed off of that either from a positive way. It's either going to be a virtuous cycle or a, or a negative cycle. So.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great insights. What's your coffee of choice?
1: <laughs> uh, I am not a fancy coffee guy. Uh, we yeah. got coffee at home, uh, Folgers. And uh, <laughs> well, if I, look, I am uh, we, we got a, co- a plain old coffee maker and uh, I start the coffee when I come down in the morning and I take a cup with me to, to work, and that's about it. So, I am completely not a fancy coffee guy. I will say that when I go yeah. to Starbucks, um, I go for the pumpkin spice latte. So, if that kind of helps you. Helps
0: oh, nice. Yeah. When it's yeah, available.
1: Nice. When available. <laughs>
0: it, we need to give a shout out to Ascension that's right there in your building.
1: We do. They make a damn fine pumpkin spice yeah. latte. Yes, we've been very fortunate. and we've met we're, there a
0: few times. To have a we coffee. Have.
1: So we're at the corner of Spring Valley and Midway, and they opened an Ascension in our building. We've been a food desert for a long time, and so um, they had they make some amazing coffee, and they have a great little environment to, to hang out in. So, really yes, good. Yeah. Big shout out to Ascension. <laughs>
0: That's right. How about uh, adult drink of choice?
1: Uh, I'm. I saw like uh, Boddington's, which is a beer, an English beer from uh, Manchester, and okay. uh, I'm. I'm pretty specific about that. That's like the one beer that I drink. Otherwise, I'm just going to drink a Budweiser if, it's, if that's not available. But um, yeah. yes, every everyone here knows that I'm a Boddington's guy. So,
0: it, uh, is that easily accessible
1: around here? Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> Get shipments from England. <laughs> no, it, it, it's at several grocery stores. There's not a lot of bars that have it, but I tend to ha- yeah. hang out at the Old Monk and uh, and the Londoner mm-hmm. and uh, they both have it. Good places. So. So, yes, Bottingtons. It's a great, uh, a great little beer. So. Good to know.
0: I know uh, you mentioned what you're learning through uh, self-management, always learning there. But are you reading any books right
1: now? uh so i'm not yeah i'm not a a big business book reader um uh believe it or not i'll probably read one or two a year i'm pretty um uh pretty judicious when it comes to that but i I am uh in a book club and uh with some other guys and mostly nonfiction. and so i'm right now we're reading um the impeccable spy which is about Mm -hmm. uh ricard zorge who was a spy for russia uh, and in Japan during the um, during the Second World War so in the lead-up to the Second World War and uh, you know, he is uh, many say the world's greatest spy so it's been a fascinating book so um, so we, we read a lot of nonfiction uh, Probably the best big business book I read recently is uh, outsider CEOs which mm. is um, a book about CEOs that most of us probably have never heard of but they, they were very iconoclastic CEOs of uh, public and private companies that largely eschewed the limelight, were not the Jack Welch's of the world, but way outperformed Jack Welch. And so, um, and, and they did it because they did it in very unconventional ways, and, and they were not egotistical, they just looked very honestly at their business and figured out what the, what, what the business, the, the right way to, to maximize the, the, uh, the return on that business. So I learned some really, uh, the, the, the one, the one key lesson was uh, almost to a man or woman, they were always counter to what common was conventional wisdom hmm. said. Um, and, um, and often took a lot of abuse for it, but their companies regularly outperformed all their competitors, the S and P 500. So it was a really interesting book and sort of gave me permission to be a lot more, contrarian in my thoughts cause I always kind of have been a little bit, but it gives me a little more permission to be a little stronger in some of that stuff. So That's I think it's, cool. I, I think it's called the outsiders, but it's not the, the outsiders, you know, nonfiction book. It's, it's like it's outsider CEOs or something like that. It was really a good. I'm going to have so. to check that one out. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. So I'm a big audible guy these days because I've got a lot of time yeah, me too. During, during, during the commute. So
0: yeah. And are you a morning person or a night person?
1: I am. Uh, I'm deaf. I'm, I'm a little bit of both, but I'm, I'm probably I used to be a night person and now I'm more of a morning person. I'm definitely up early, even on the weekends. Um, but I was up past midnight last night uh, catching yeah. up on some stuff, too. So um, I'm, I'm trying to be more disciplined about getting a little more sleep. I like both. And um, yeah, but I, yeah. I'm, I, I do love being up early in the morning. It is cool.
0: And would you peg yourself as an introvert or an extrovert?
1: Uh, so we use a tool called culture index and, um, I've always sort of known I was a little bit of an extrovert, but culture index sort of confirmed that. So I definitely uh, I surprise people, but I am actually an, excuse me, an introvert and, um, uh, and always kind of have been, and it doesn't mean that I don't get out. Um, but it definitely, um, I can do one networking event in the evening. I can't do three. and um i have i have a small group of close friends um and i do things with one or two people at a time i don't want to go on a ski trip with 30 people you know that's just not that's not who i am so um and and, but other people who are extroverts they, they they're really drawn to that abby who you mentioned our business oh, development, yeah. uh, uh, director is, uh, she's amazing. Like the more time she spends with people, the more energy she gets. And, um, <laughs> That's uh, right. and, and it's, it's sort of, we, we knew that but by using culture index, and it really has played out that way. Yeah. So I am, I am definitely I'm, I'm am i tell you what, I'm a mild introvert is what I am. So okay. my culture index will tell me so.
0: Got it. Uh, I'm, I think I'm somewhat similar. My wife will call me an extroverted introvert meaning like sometimes I can turn it on, but uh, for the most part, I'm okay being, uh, you know, alone. In fact, I think I'm thriving in this uh, work from home (laughs) situation that we're in.
1: Well, and that's the key is like, which one gives you energy? And that'll tell you whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And and you may be like me, like just a mild introvert, but you yeah. can turn it on when necessary. Correct, it's just yeah. you, you can only go so hard on that before it drains, kind of drains your energy, yeah. um, and then you gotta have some alone time to kind of recharge it a little bit. So,
0: yeah, that thirty-person ski trip would be my nightmare.
1: Oh gosh, I can't <laughs> imagine it. Those people listening, to it like, dude, that would be the best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and those—those those are your extroverts, you know. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, last one here on the lightning
0: round. What do you look forward to the most each weekend?
1: oh man um i love i i, I will i will have two things because it depends on whether i'm sticking around or not so if i'm going to be around the house i love just home improvement around the house i do gardening and and i spend a lot of time around the house um but then i do a lot of camping with my kids i'm in a camping program with my girls called high adventure trucks for dads and daughters mm-hmm. and uh, it's killing me because we're not camping this spring because of the, uh. the uh, coronavirus but um, <clears throat> But it's a it's a camping and leadership program. And it's just one on one time with each of my daughters. Uh, One's in fourth grade and one's in ninth grade. And um, each camp out has a different theme. And so that's if I if I if I'm not at home uh, uh, hanging out with my family and doing stuff around the house, I'm taking my kids uh, camping just one on one with me. I'm trying to replicate that experience I had with my grandfather when he and I, um, you know, fished one on one together. And all the thing, all the time that we got to spend together, and all the things I got to learn from them and trying to create some of those same experiences for them. But I don't want to wait till I'm a grandfather to do it. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. All right. Uh, so that, those, that's yeah, that's what I'm doing. while that's I'm very uh, cool. Hanging out on the weekends.
0: So. That's awesome. Well, Chris, you survived the lightning round. Well done. <laughs>
1: Thank you. I'm not very good with lightning. I, I tend to uh, elaborate a little bit too much on my answers. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving
0: it. So, Chris. Um, if, if I need Venturity services, how do I get a hold of you guys?
1: Uh, well, you know, uh, you just call Venturity. Now, so go to Venturity.net on the internet and uh, you can track us down. That You can kind of get an overview of what we're all about. There's some great stuff in there that kind of shows you a little bit about what our people are all about as well. Uh, you can email me at Chris at So that's C-H-R-I-S at Venturity.net, V-E-N t-u-r-i-t-y if you're listening to this after about june of 2020 you can email abby a-b-b-y at abbyadventure.net but she's currently out on maternity leave and we're trying we're trying to encourage her her maternity leave because she just can't stand it she's ready to come back so anyway uh abby's abby's over business development for us so any one of those ways to track us down we'd love to if you're struggling with your accounting frustrated with your accounting, your bookkeeper just walked out the door, pick up the phone, call us. We'll get it all straightened out for you.
0: That's awesome, Chris. Yeah. I can't thank you enough again for being on the show today. You've got such an incredible company. You've, what you've grown there is amazing. I encourage anybody um, to take you up on the offer to go to the great game of business, huddle, take a look at what that's like, feel the culture, the things that you've cultivated there. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting you to write a book at some point, soon, Chris, by the way, I, but
1: uh, I don't have a book in me. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. That's okay. Well, thanks again, Chris.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. I am very lucky the, the team that we have here and, and uh, you know, we've really had a great run. Hopefully it will continue. And, and thanks, thanks for the conversation. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's always fun to, to kind of chat about some of the things that some of the challenges that we see and, and to kind of share some thoughts with a fellow entrepreneur. Wonderful.
0: Thank you, Chris. And thank you to our listeners so much for being um, a part of this show, listening to the LouderCo Dallas Based Innovators podcast. I'm Andrew Louder, signing out. That's our show for today. We hope you took away something valuable. Be sure to visit LouderCo at louderco.com for more. Thank you again and stay tuned for more from Dallas-based innovators.